welcome, welcome to episode 32 yeah, of late. Yeah, mm-hmm. we started last year during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Blazing Soul Podcast. How is everyone doing? Happy on? Wednesday. <laughs> it's happy every day. Okay. Every day should be happy. You woke up, you're breathing. You know, life is good. No You're healthy, no you know. Doubt. Every day is a good day. So. I can agree with that. I agree with that. Yes. Uh, Podcast. We are here every Wednesday mm-hmm. to, you know, basically talk about our current events, kick it with you guys, um, mm-hmm. highlight uh, local community leaders and role models and business entrepreneurs that are in the African-American and Asian communities. And just kind of break that stereotype that we've been hearing uh, mm-hmm. for the past year, two years, actually, for Black folks, in my opinion, that we've been hearing for decades. But um, to kind of champion that cause and show yes. you that there's more out there than the nonsense that you hear yes. in the basic media. And highlight community leaders, entrepreneurs, and those who are making an impact in our communities. Um, and tonight, we have a very special guest, Officer Leroy Reese is a police officer, youth leader, and a motivational speaker. So we're going to get to know him a little bit better tonight and let him share his story. Be sure to like and share. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of great information on Officer Leroy tonight. So tune in, like, and share. So without further ado, I would like to bring on to you Officer Leroy. Well, hello, hello. Hello, how y'all doing? We are doing great. We are blessed to be here. How are you tonight? I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm blessed. God's been good to me during the pandemic, and such a pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast today. And I I don't take this lightly, you know. And uh, I just want to thank you. It is our pleasure. We're honored to have you on here. Definitely. And we are definitely excited to learn a little bit about you and, you know, um, your journey as well as, you know, the pandemic, how that went for you and, you know, things like that. So, yeah, let's, uh, you know, we want to go over a few topics. Uh, We definitely want to um, tell your story, kind of give uh, additional information on some of the other things you're doing outside of being a law enforcement officer, uh, officer, as far as being an author and a motivational speaker. But before we get started, um, you know, I would like to say initially that uh, before we get into any discussion, uh, I would like to thank you for your service. That's that's first and foremost. Um, There's been a lot of banter back and forth about uh, police officers right now. And, you know, we've all witnessed Mm -hmm. the bad side of some of the officers who um, neglect their responsibility. We also want to champion those who take the job seriously and are there for not just one set of people, but for everyone. So yeah. anyone who undertakes that that endeavor, um, giving you know their time, their effort, and and risking their life, yes. you know, we just want to say thank you first and foremost. Yes. Well, I appreciate that, sir. Appreciate without that. a doubt, without a doubt. So talk to us. Um, you know, a police officer is one of those positions that. Uh, as a boy growing up, that's what you want to be. You, know what I'm you, either, you either want to be a, an, an athlete, Fire, you want to be an athlete or a fireman, or you want to be a police officer. One of those yes. two. 
So <laughs> tell us, did, did you want to be an officer at a young age or did that come later on in life? Well, to be honest with you, uh, a police officer is, is not what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a unique story on how it happened. Okay. I was uh, I was I was working at a plant and uh, and I was working part time at a recreation facility, and I was going through a divorce with my first wife. And so then uh, the security officer up there he said, "Reese, why don't you go put an application at the sheriff department?" I said, "Doing what?" He said, <laughs> <laughs> "He said you have the demeanor to do this job," and I still said, "Doing what?" He said, "Just put an application." And so they hired me and I started out in the county jail. And so here I am 27 years later. Wow. In Houston, Texas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I got into the field, I realized that it's, it was something that I wished I would have started straight out of high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, because my thing is I enjoy helping people. I don't like it when somebody take advantage of somebody else. That's what law is. You know, we're here to stop the bad guys from taking advantage of somebody else, whether it be, you know, it could be theft, uh, you know, assault or any kind of crime is you have a victim and you have a suspect and everything, no matter what it is. So I just I just like to do what I can, you know, to help this world be a better place. You know, one crime at a time. So that's awesome. Uh, you are based out of Houston. Is that what I heard? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. I'm in Houston, Texas. Wow. And and full disclaimer, if there's anything that you know you don't want to talk about or you feel that mm-hmm. that would go against the oaths you took us an officer, uh, by all means, uh, let Definitely. that be known. We've had attorneys on here. Mm-hmm. We've had different professions that can't speak about certain things mm-hmm. at certain times. We totally understand that, yes. uh, uh, you know, so at any time, I, I didn't know whether or not we should divulge uh, where you, you know, where you are a police officer at. Yes, I heard but he doesn't mean he practiced there. It's just where. Well, I'm just saying, if there's anything that we ask or anything that we broach mm-hmm. upon that might be a little taboo because of, right. you know, your responsibilities as an officer, yes, by all means, let us know that. Definitely, definitely. Yes, sir. That's good. That's fine. Yes. So tell me, uh, what was the process like of becoming an officer? I know we hear a ton in the um, in the media that um, you know there's there's extensive training, and then some people say, well, there's not enough training. Um, but to a layman, we don't know what goes on behind the process of becoming an officer uh, because it's such an important job. Um, can you briefly take us through a summary of what it what it takes to become an officer? Well, uh, for me, and this is what I've contributed my success to, I took the route. Uh, it's several routes. You know, you can go to college, you get your, you can go to college and get your uh, criminal justice uh, degree. Yep. But uh, in order to be a police officer in the state of Texas, that's where we are. You have to go to a police academy to get your license. And so it's good in the whole state of Texas. So with that, you know, you can work for any agency or anybody. And um, but what the route that I took, like I said, uh, Mr. Mantis, he was a deputy sheriff, and uh, he came to me and told me I had the demeanor for this, and so I applied and I got hired and I worked in the county jail. Ooh, my God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
I was green. I didn't know nothing about law enforcement, you know, because I was blessed to be raised by both my parents. And, uh, you know, my daddy didn't play. So, you know, we knew how to act. And uh, so it was it was a culture shock to me. But I contributed my success because when I worked in that kind of jail, I learned the behavior of people. And it's, it's amazing to see that, you know, we have these facilities where we lock, have people, you know, locked up for whatever the reason might be. And uh, what I did, I, uh, I always treat people how I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And so I worked in the county jail for five years and I learned the system. And, uh, you know, you're doing something right. Not to you know, pat myself on the back. When the inmates come to you and they tell you, they say, hey, Reese, uh, we can tell when you're not here. I said, what are you saying? They said, because they treat us different when you're not here. Because I worked my way up to be a supervisor. And uh, even with that, you know, you treat people how you want to be treated. And the main reason you do that as an officer is because you have a family. Yeah. You know, I have I have three beautiful daughters. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when they're not with me, and if they, you know, have a brush with the law, I would want that officer to be courteous with my kid yeah. the same way I'd be courteous with somebody else's child. Sure. So I contribute my success by working in county jail. You learn people's behavior. You learn that even though there are some people that just, you know, they just, just ain't going to do right. They just put it. <laughs> in. And, uh, and, and, and you learn that demeanor. And so when you out on the streets, you and the main thing that I want to say, main thing I want to say about from being a police officer, when I got in this business, the first thing that I was taught to me that my gun don't solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Right. That because you know the sus even coming up against a suspect, you know that they know that I can't use deadly force. They know that, and only time I can use deadly force is as if deadly force is being used. Sure. So you're gonna have to learn some real uh, verbal judo. <laughs> and that's what gonna save you out here in the streets. And so that's why I would go back to the I always go back to the jail. I work in the county jail, that's why I learned all that. That's how because when you're in the jail, you don't have no weapons. You know, you locked up with the inmates as well. And right. so but you, you know you in control, but you but you have to learn how to communicate with people mm-hmm. to get them to do the things that they don't want to do. And uh, and you do it with you do it with respect and and that's what needs to be done, in my opinion. And like I said, you, you know, I get frustrated, too, when I see all this stuff in the news. And, then, and you know, people tell me, well, you're a police officer. You're a police officer. I said, hold on. Not, in the, not when I'm out of this uniform. Right. Another brother just like you. Well, and, no, I, it's Houston, the fourth largest city in America. We don't know each other. Right. And, uh, no, I'd be driving in my car. No, I get pulled over just like yeah. you. <laughs> Right. And so uh so it's it's challenging and it's frustrating, but at the same time, as a police officer, yeah. another thing that I realized that everything that I do affect this person's life. Right. Even though this person did what he did or she did to bring me into their life, but still whatever I do is gonna affect that person's life. Right. And so I, I can't take that with a grain of salt. If you understand what I'm saying. And I wish that, you know, and, and and it's just a lot of officers are like me. Mm-hmm. You know, you just get that few that's, you know, do the things that we see in the news and everything. Or, yeah. 
and don't I would say let's let's take an instance like the last instance where a young lady used a taser thought she had a taser and she had a gun yes and like I said you know as an officer I know that in a situation like that my weapon is the first thing I need I can go to right. you know even in that whole situation with a young man you know I, like with us as a police officer when we when we pull you over and the systems that we have now, mm-hmm. I know everything about you before I walk up to that car. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I know everything about you. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, like I said earlier in the conversation, you, know, you can't only use deadly force when deadly force is being used. Right. When you pull this kid over, he got some Class C misdemeanors, okay? He didn't just murder somebody. He didn't just right. write right. So there is no need to pull no kind of weapon in dealing with this person. Right. And let's say if he was to pull off in his car, zoom, I got all his information. Right. He ain't going nowhere. Yeah, right. right. Hey, it's not like he got a a, 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 a plane. Right. right. The country, because nine times out of ten, he just hustling the streets. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Exactly. And so me, with my personality, I'd be like, okay, he gone. I, I'll meet him at his house. Right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Because, you know, uh, in the state of Texas, in the state of Texas, I'm going to tell you about Texas. Mm-hmm. In the state of Texas, it's just only one law that I, I, I must make an arrest on. And if you violate a particular order, that's the only law I must make an arrest. I have to. Mm-hmm. Anything else, you know, I can you, you can get shot, boom. And I can you know, sit there and witness this shot. That don't mean I have to make an arrest. Do y'all, mm-hmm. y'all understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I do. So, so with that being said, so you can take... You can take a breather and analyze the situation mm-hmm. before you engage in what it is that you need to engage in. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how I conduct myself as a police officer. Now, in that situation yeah. that you just spoke of, I've spoken to certain individuals who um, have either dealt with law enforcement, was a law enforcement officer in the past, and they, or at least one of them had told me. Actually, I've also seen it on Facebook. An officer said that the way his gun and his stun gun is positioned, that he know he would know the difference when pulling it out. Even though it's a it's a heated situation and your adrenaline is running, he said there's a weight difference. You put it on a different size. It some different, some even it? put it in, it's where you have to pull it one way and then pull the other another way. Um, he said that those are put there so that in a dangerous situation, mm-hmm. you don't make these mistakes. Is that true to some degree or is that just, fa- you know, social media fallacy? That's, that's, I would say that's true to 100%. I'm going to tell you what, mm-hmm. whether you right hand or left hand, your weapon going to be on the hand that you are. Okay. So your taser is always opposite of your weapon hand. Because you always want to make sure when you get in a sticky situation, you can your weapon is the first thing that you can grab. Right. Now, yeah. right. check this out though. Do you know how much training we do? No. You know how many times we go to the range, we go to we go through we we go through extensive a lot of training. <laughs> we go through so much training. I said, if I knew that I wouldn't have to go through all this training to be a police officer, I should have been a doctor. <laughs> 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 yes. Right now, I got about I got about four hours I need to get before August. I'll lose some light my license. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, so so we have these cycles, and we have to get forty hours every cycle. 
Make sure we got 40 hours and it's a continual thing. So with that being said, yes, we 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 be train we we train a lot. And the number one thing that trainers on is safety first, safety first, safety first. But like I said, you go back to that same incident. Why was a weapon drawn? Right. When you're approaching this person in the first place. Right. right. For a class C well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Last minute, you yeah, know who he is. You mm-hmm. got all his information. Right. He hadn't. He hadn't got in that car and and took off and 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 you know had a felony. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, it was none of that in his situation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my thing was, and I always look at it from a, a perspective of was he threatening anyone's life? Mm-hmm. Because then I can see where you make a determination on. How threatening this situation is, but he wasn't threatening anybody's life. And like you said, I, like I told my wife, they know everything about him. When she walked, she could have been like, you know what? All right, I'll, I'll be at your house talking <laughs> to your mama before you get home. Yes. Um, so I didn't understand that in in any form or fashion. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the big one is <laughs> um, the Chauvin trial um, because that's actually convicting officers. And I don't think that there is a, I don't think people think that Chauvin is innocent because we have the tape. So we've seen him put his knee on the guy's neck for God knows how, how long, you know, nine plus minutes. And I've heard on both sides, but both sides concur that even if he was being disobedient, once he was uh, compliant, you, 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 you ease up on, him, you know, or whatever the case may be. I kind of feel that, you know, in no instance do you put a knee on someone's neck because I know how deadly that is just from, you know, playing basketball and falling the wrong way or a guy elbowing you a certain way that can, can be tragic. So to put your weight on someone's neck is, you know, I, I think that's unfathomable. But what I will say is that what is your thought process on not Chauvin, but the officers around him, they say, are now being will be tried. See, that's a that's a very sticky subject because, yeah. um, you know, let's say that Chauvin is the lead officer on site. Mm-hmm. And so basically, to a certain degree, he's my superior. Do I have that right to say, hey, you know, get off of him, you're doing wrong? Or how does that go about? Well, it's, it goes back to an individual thing and the way you was taught uh, as, a, as a person. I'm going all the way back to as a person. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's what your morals are and what your upbringing is now. So let's go back to me. So Mr. Mathis, his name was John Mathis, and uh, he's a sheriff deputy, had years of experience. And it's three things that he told me. And these are the three things he said, Lee, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you these three things so that you can survive in this, in this position. He said, number one, when you do a report, you want to write what you could attest to with your own eyes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Number two, leave them women alone. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you on that one. I hear you on that one. And number three, and number three, treat people how you want to be treated. Right. Yeah. You do those three things, you will survive. Now, let's go back to the other officers. And this is this this is me. If I was there. That wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I need two different scenarios. First of all, when I got there and you called me out on a counterfeit $20 bill, 
Right. We have to commit a. Uh, we don't. When Texas, in, you know, in a class C misdemeanor, take it over fifty dollars. So mm -hmm. what? Why y'all calling me for this twenty dollar bill? Right. I right. probably gave. I'm serious. I probably gave him a twenty. Here, man. Here go your. Yeah. Go, right. go, go back there and, and, right. and go about your business. Right. That's how I would have handled it. Now, let's go back to your question. What you said. So about them other guys. You, I get frustrated with it. You have to have some morals about yourself to sit here. First of all, he was in the car. When the fight is over, that's when we have to stop. Mm -hmm. He was in the vehicle. Mm -hmm. And if he was kicking, if he was kicking or whatever, you had him, you had you had restraints on him. Mm -hmm. No cars are designed for that. See, they don't say stuff like that. Them cars are designed for you to put that person down and you act a fool or do whatever, la 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 la. You get him down, you lock the door, eventually he's gonna stop. Right. You call on the radio, say, well, I got him in here. He's kicking. He's this, 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 this. Mm -hmm. And you and you take him to the police station mm -hmm. and get him as soon as possible. That's what should have happened. Okay. And then, like I say, you, you take him out of the car. You take him out of the car. Why are you taking him out of the car? And you already got all the restraints on everything. And then mm -hmm. you, you put him down on the floor. There's no way them other officers. I would have been like, man, we can't do this. Right. We cannot do this. We mm -hmm. you know somebody should stand up. And and it's true, you have an officer that's I guess he was the, he was the mm, I would say bully. He was the bully of the bunch. Right. And if those all the officers gonna sit back and do what he do and you follow him and you know it's not right, well you shouldn't be a police officer in the first place. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's that just you know, these are my opinions from what I observed and my experience of being a police officer. Because I'm not going to sit here. I can't sit here and watch somebody just mistreat somebody and I'll be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Stopping the life out of him. Yeah, I agree. That was, uh, it, and the thing that, you know, people say, I'm, I'm glad that justice is served. But the point of, the, my point is always, the reason why he was convicted wholeheartedly is because we had the whole thing on video. Um, you know, live stream, right? Yeah. Well, regardless, we had we yeah. we have media showing what this man did. Mm -hmm. How many times has this happened? Um, you know, with with the cops that are not, you know, not not. I guess their their mental is not there mm -hmm. for being a police officer because being a police officer is hard. Yeah. So. How many times has things like this occurred where a person says, man, they beat me up and, and they're like, ah, you're just making this up because you're mad you got, you're getting arrested. But that's what I try to tell people is that the, to me, this isn't a one-off as far as something like this happens. And once again, this is not to condemn officers because like I said, the majority of officers do their job, are respectful because they want that same respect. I grew, well, I grew up in a time where the officer would catch you, would take you home, would tell your moms, your moms would bring you in and whoop your butt in front of the officer. You know what I'm saying? And he's sitting there. And now after that, anytime you do something, he'll bring that up. Like, all right, you don't want me to bring you home to your mama. You know what happened last time your mama got on you. So, you know, there's a difference in the, I guess, the level of communication. But I don't think that that was an isolated incident um, as far as that is concerned. I don't either. Right. I don't either. Um, I don't either. Yeah. It's it's it, it was this whole demeanor, you know. 
Like I said, these are these are my opinion. You talk to other officers that may have a different opinion. Like I said it goes back to you know the way you were raised and everything. And uh, like I was saying earlier, you know, I already know that my first line of defense is not my weapon. Right. Uh, and being a police officer, you can't just take advantage of somebody just because you had the authority to do it. Sure. And and the main thing that we do, and why I keep saying Texas because each state is different. And in Texas, you know, we can only use the amount of forces being used against us. Right. Well, so you got a man in handcuffs and you got four officers. What force is being used against you? I know that's right. I know that's right. I, I made it. Well, it wasn't a joke, but I guess I made an example. I told my wife, give me give me myself and my three best friends that we was all athletes hooping growing up. And right. we can take down one guy without hurting. Yeah. It's four of us. We can do that. So if you think of an officer who's more trained in hand-to-hand combat and how to subdue someone, and also you got a stun gun and pepper spray and all these other things yeah. that there is yeah. no way that they shouldn't be able to handle that situation far easier than that. Yes, sir. Now, uh, another question I have, and, and I don't want to bombard you, but we, when we get attorneys and police officers, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy because we're getting the answers to certain things that we hear, you know, everybody on social media is a lawyer or everybody <laughs> is a police officer, knows the rules and all these things. And you look at this stuff and you're like, man, that, that cannot be true. <laughs> so it's good when we have a professional that right. is an expert in this field to say, hey, you know, this is just my opinion, but, you know, this is how I see it. So uh, the, and I, I, I apologize for not rem- remembering the gentleman's name, but there was a gentleman who um, they thought was a burglar and he was jogging and mm-hmm. citizens took it upon themselves to go get their guns and try to box him in. And eventually oh, he was shot and yes. killed. Right. Um, and I've had so many debates about this at work of people saying, well, you know, the community is, is in law enforcement as well. And as a, as a community, you have to protect your own. That's what neighborhood watches for. And that's what all these other things are for. So, you know, he he thinks that they were their hearts were in the right place. They were just misguided or the situation got the best of them in the heat of the moment. And to me, I think totally different. We pay our our trained officers for a reason um, because they are trained to handle situations like this. Somebody just running, getting a gun and him and his boys running out. I think that that is tantamount to murder. Um, but it's been batted around that, you know, they were just protecting the community and things of that nature. So what is your thought process on that situation? Protecting the community. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> go back to what I said a while ago. Mm-hmm. Even as a police officer, we can only use the amount of force that's being used against us. Mm-hmm. So you see this young man, that's whatever he did, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whatever he did. Let's say he. Let, I'm just saying. Let's say he did go in somebody's house. Let's just say that, right? Okay. But when they approach him, what was he doing? He's running Sorry. down the street. Yeah. He he's not. He's not. They didn't catch him in the scene or nothing. They didn't. None of that. He's going down the street. Right. Yeah. And you go approach him mm-hmm. with a weapon. With weapons, right. right? What are you supposed to do? Right. Exactly. What are you supposed to do? Now, when you say you 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 protecting the, the community first before you can approach him, you got to see if he did anything to the community. He did a crime. 
Yes. Right. We can't we can't just sit back and assume something. Right. It's just like law enforcement. We can't like we go after the bad guy. I've got all my eyes across all my T's. The bad guy ain't gotta do that. Right. But if I wanna convict this person, that's what I gotta do. So you wanna police your community, okay, you gotta dot all your eyes across all your T's before you can act upon the situation. Right. So you just yeah, so what they did was, well, I guess they had another notion or they felt like he did something. So now we've been save the community. Right, right. It's it's almost it's tantamount to the same thing with the Trayvon Martin situation where someone and, and the thing that with Trayvon Martin that, that hurt my heart so bad was when he was on the phone with the police, the police told him, Don't get out your car, mm-hmm. you know. We, you gave us all the information that you have. Don't get out your car. Yeah. We're on our way. He still proceeded to get out of his car, confront the young man, and, you know, no, no disrespect, but as, you know, as an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old, when I was growing up, um, you know, I, I was probably a butthole when it came to speaking to certain people that I didn't know. You know, if a guy just walked up to me and said, hey, stand right here. Free, right. You ain't going nowhere. <clears throat> no, nah, bro, if you ain't got a badge, you ain't about to stop me from going yes. nowhere. And if you keep pushing the issue, we're going to go ahead and move some furniture because that's just your thought process when you're a young guy is you're not, if you don't have any authority, you're not about to, especially a, a, a white man or a man that isn't of the same color as me coming out of the blue and telling me or, or instructing me or, or commanding me to do something that was going to be a hard sale in, in right. any way. And even though, and even, and even, let's say if, Zimmer was a black man. It just, we still got the same result. The only reason why I said it is because let me ask you this. The reason, do y'all have kids? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Four. Four. Mm-hmm. Your kids, I'm going to tell you something. And you're going to think about it after this podcast is over. Okay. Your kids do what you ask them to do. It's not because you, their parent. Mm-hmm. They do it because of the love and respect that they have for you. Yes. So yes. if you, so even if that could have been a black man and, and, and Trayvon don't know him, he still couldn't have went up there and yeah, did what he did. Right. It's not a relationship. It's nothing. So how can right. you come to me? Or how can you approach me about something? You know what I'm saying? I'm minding my business. I'm doing my own thing. And now you coming up and you approaching me. And that's that's where a lot of people is missing the mark. Right. And so uh, and, and, and it is, like you said, in that, that situation, was is was it's so messed up on so many levels. Mm-hmm. But some of it is our fault. I'm gonna tell you why. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is why it's our fault. We need to step up. If we if we if 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 it's like me, you know, I'm a police officer, you know, and I, I love being a police officer and I'm just here a police officer. I love what I do and everything. Mm-hmm. Now with this all this stuff going on, what I should have been doing is striving to be the chief. Because if I'm the chief, right. all the shots. Right. If you're a lawyer, right. don't just be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Go be the judge. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times do we try to get out of jury duty? Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, when these trials come to court, we're not in there representing us. Yeah. Then we upset because the, 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 the outcome didn't, come, didn't happen the way we wanted to happen. So I challenge us to step up. And it don't have to be a lawyer or judge. 
whatever whatever field that we in, mm -hmm. we need to strive to be the one that calls the shots. Because if we call in the shots, then we get a better outcome. Right. right. And that can be as simple as attending attending community events and, and yes. making your voice as one in the community yes. because everybody knows that voting voice, if you get it, people are going to start listening. You know, so even from a base roots level, community programs and, and getting yes. together and, and voicing your opinion in unison can definitely make a change. I, I will, even though it seems like with the laws now, they're making it harder and harder to vote. But um, mm -hmm. that is a way to make your voice be heard. It's always louder when there's more than one voice shouting. Mm -hmm. So I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yes. Now, let it let us get off of this morbid stuff. <laughs> and let's get in to your other. Uh, um, uh, youth leader, yes, motivational speaker. Yeah, let's start with the youth leader, okay? <laughs> what does that entail? Because that's something that the podcast kind of uh, champions is that people are doing things with youth and being community leaders and role models. So tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, before the pandemic, you know, we had this, uh, we called, and, and, it's, and it's still have it. It's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's going to take back up. We got this thing called Youth for Christ. And what we do is members of uh, our church, uh, we, 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 ha we do an event, one event in the month. We get all the churches to come together with all these kids, mm -hmm. and it, I mean, we might be at a church, we might be at a park, or we might go bowling or whatever. And the reason we do this is because so we let the kids know that you are not the only one out here trying to be a Christian. And so these kids come from all from all corners of Houston, and they see each other, and uh, like if they go out to to the movies that night. You know, saying, oh, you remember the church? Oh, man, that's cool. And they developed a relationship. One day I was working at one of my schools and was playing against this team. And that starting player, he saw me. He said, ah, your brother Reese. I said, yeah. Okay. And I brought him into my office. I fed him. They said, how you doing him like that? And we playing against them. I said, but you <laughs> remember the church, man. So, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's, that's deeper than what y'all are. Oh, Reese, you doing us wrong, you're doing us wrong. But, but so but that's what we that's what we did with the uh use for Christ. And uh so that, that picture what I had on the fly brief fly that your wife made me, that was one of our events. We was out in the park. We that day we had over four hundred kids. That wow, day. that's amazing. Yeah, all over Houston. Wow. So we, the park, we have service. Then at the service we would um Feed them, <laughs> and that was because we cooking on the grill right there, mm -hmm. and uh, and play basketball, volleyball, you know, just whatever, just fellowship, mm -hmm. and we we all we'll go camping together, and we just we do a lot of things, but but did a lot of stuff. Like I said, it wasn't just fun stuff. We would uh, we go work the Houston Food Bank. Ooh, now that ain't no joke. That's a lot of work, a lot of work, but it, it, it's amazing. See how many kids would at least come out and and they'll give us a, a goal. See, hey, some so came and they did this. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. so we're gonna do this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and also one of the biggest things that we did, we uh raised money for scholarship. Oh, it wasn't much, but we would uh, like every time we meet, we'd take up a donation and uh. 
we do certain activities and stuff to raise money and stuff. And the kids, we just don't give it to them. Like once they graduate, they they will compete for it, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we we'll give our scholarships. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. It's always great to give back uh, to the community. So yes, that is awesome. And it's always great when we provide different options and opportunities for the youth because yes, I think that's that's when you cultivate someone when they're young, mm-hmm. then they grow up to be a, a truly decent human being. That's where yes. I think that uh, a lot of people should kind of invest some of their time and effort into. Speaking of, I got a youth leadership event this weekend, Saturday. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. I do, I do. And Voluntarily doing a certification class um, with um, some youth in the neighborhood and giving them certificates. I'm also a John Maxwell, um, you know, uh, independent coach trainer and speaker. And so through the John Maxwell youth program, I'm teaching them the curriculums on how to be a youth leader and things like that in the community. So that's going to be that's, that's good. That's a blessing. Yeah. It yes. is. We have an office here. Um, so we're going to do it at our training facility here. So. What, what city y'all in? We're, we're out right outside of Chicago, Illinois. Oh, man. Okay. Yep. So in the Northwest suburbs. Of Chicago, okay. the bird um, near yeah. O'Hare. But it is always great when you, um, when you do yes. something with your youth. I think so that tell, tell us a little bit um, about your topics. I found, I found that pretty interesting. Um, one of the topics was sex trafficking, of course, bullying and all that. But how, how bad is that portion of it, the sex trafficking, you know, you hear about it, but it's not so much in the media of how bad it really is. Well, it's bad. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really bad. And it's growing. And this is, this is, this is, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What do you think generate the most money mm-hmm. in this country? Sex trafficking. <laughs> Um, I mean, the I would allude to that because that's our topic for conversation. Yes, mm-hmm. you know why? So like, that's like from a dope man, you know, dope, mm-hmm. no, a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. So if I got a, a 25, 25 cent, you know, rock, and I sell it to you, that product is gone. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I got somebody in sex trafficking, I can sell that person ten times at twenty five dollars a night. Well, I can do tw- I can do I can do it ten times in one night at twenty five dollars. Right. You see, um, it's the same um, the same reason why um, slave owners didn't want to let go of their slaves. Yes. You have free labor, and yes. I don't care what type of economy you have, <laughs> nothing can be free labor. Nothing which is why they were so adamant about not giving up their slaves. So me, I believe that that same it's under that same genre, so to speak. Let me tell you how it worked though. Even as a police officer, when it when I this this is a true story. So, and that's why I want to talk about it in the schools. That's why I say, you know, if you hear something, see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Kids, kids, they know, they know what's going on. They 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 know who doing what. They really do. And you got you just got to learn how to get on that level, win their trust, and they can they will tell you anything you want to know. And one of the greatest things that ever happened, ever happened, 
was this, the iPhone. And why I say about the iPhone, because you know the iPhone, you can air message something. So a kid, they want, may want to give you some information, but they don't want, want nobody know it came from you. So if you air message it, it won't, it's just, it's just there. You can't do a trace on it. I have kids that come up to me and they say, oh, Therese, I got the video and I can show it to you. But you know, I don't want to be involved, so I'm gonna air message it to you. Okay. Right. right. You know, and you wanna you wanna keep that trust with them kids because okay. mm-hmm. even though he might be doing something he shouldn't be doing, but you look at the benefit of you saving somebody else on this side. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And hopefully by your relationship with this person, you'll put this person in and you'll save the both of them. Right. That makes right. sense. Yes, it does. It now does. let me tell you about sex trafficking. So we have these. So what they'll do is, and this is what kids, they with kids, school administrators, they need to watch out for. So let's say like kids have sporting event, volleyball. That we do a football game. So you had the young boys that's playing football, and you gonna always have a young man that goes to every game, and he gonna bring a friend that don't even go to that school. Mm-hmm. What that dude is doing, he scouting. Wow. He looking for a weak vessel. Mm-hmm. They gonna wow. we gonna find that girl who's. Shy, she by herself. She might walk around with her head down. He'll start paying her some attention. He start showing up at all the games, and next thing you know, they friends. That girl, she don't know what's going on, and she start telling all her personal business. All he doing is taking notes, taking notes. Mm-hmm. That happened here in Houston. So the girl, so the girl, the boy learned everything that he needs to learn. Man, like he was in love with the girl, and so he, uh, you know, started making love to her. Treating her, buying her stuff. Oh, you know, her whole demeanor didn't change. She just mm-hmm. went to the world now. And mm-hmm. then it comes down to putting her to work. And you know, mm-hmm. know what this dude did? So he had one of his homeboys. They went, they went and got a room that night. So he had one of his homeboys to do a botch break in. Mm-hmm. So he gets the gun, sit the gun on the counter, on the dresser, or whatever. Him and the girls start making love or whatever. Homeboy breaks into the room. So he said, oh, I got you. So I'm going to protect you. So he's going to protect the girl and fight the dude. So he fight. The dude getting the best of him. He's screaming, how did this dude get me? Telling the girl to get him off him, get him off him. She gets the gun. She shoots him. Blanks in the gun. Oh, wow. She thinks she killed the dude. Mm-hmm. He covered it. He tell her he covered it up. Don't worry about it. Takes the girl home. Tell her don't tell nobody. So next time you go see the girl, what? you tell her that I need you to do me a favor. What is it? I need I got some friends that I want you to have sex with. She and you know she gonna no nah, I'm not gonna do that. He said, but you know you killed that person. You don't mm-hmm. want to tell. You don't want me to tell your parents. Now she's mm-hmm. and that's how they started out. But that's just one way. There's several ways that that's they insane. do it. Wow, that is insane. Yes. Dang. Wow. Yes. Well, that's crazy. That is, that is that's a very elaborate um you know scenario. Right. Um they're starting to get you I'm know, sure more they're getting more create creative right. in that because that's their form of income. Wow, that yeah, that that I would have never thought that they would have went to that length. You always see the movies where it's just a snatch and grab type of scenario. But it seems like it's far more intricate than that. It's, yes, it is, and it's and it's. And then another way that kids get caught up in it. Mm-hmm. I had a I had a student. 
I mean, it happened to boys too. I had a student that uh, she was she was sexually assaulted by her uncle, and she uh, her mother was paraplegic. Ugh, I hope they don't see this, but oh well. And she, the uncle was doing something to her, and she said, "Ah, I'm gonna tell my mother." The uncle told her, "You can tell you," which is how it was her his sister. She said, mm-hmm. "Yeah, you can tell her she won't do nothing. She go tell her mom. Mom, don't do nothing." Then he goes back and and tell and he tell her, "Well, I told you it wasn't gonna happen." So now this girl, she grew animosity against her mother. Mm-hmm. So from there, she started doing being promiscuous. I mean, just real bad. Mm-hmm. But she started running away from home. So then, you know, I got involved in everything. Not not talked to the girl. Beautiful young lady. And she wanted to grow up to be a lawyer. She had the grace. She had everything. Mm-hmm. But she was but she was damaged. Yeah. And so uh and I talked to her. I said, girl, I said, you don't stop this. And she just did the ninth grade. I said, girl, you don't stop this. I said, you gonna mess around and get caught up in sex trafficking. She's the officer. I know all about sex trafficking. I can tell you about it. I'm like, so eventually she kept running away. And then one day she just never came back to school. Wow. So that's why I had that on there. And that's why, like I said, these kids, they, they know. They know who's out doing things. They know who uh, sex is so prevalent now. Did you like here in Texas? It used to be like if you get a kiss, you catch porn on the kid phone, mm-hmm. you uh you can file charges. They they changed that law because every kid in America got it on the phone. Okay, who they are? You can look on their phone and it's on there, and uh and it just mm-hmm. just just me sitting here talking about it now. I just it just hurts my heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's it's um sad and. You know, it's out of sight, out of mind. So it's not in our faces every day, but we know that it does go on and it does happen until, you know, and you hear from, you know, someone like you who is in it, you know, and knows a lot about it. But for us, like we're in our own world. We don't know what's going on. Um, I remember I met a client um, of mine that when I was working um, at an apartment complex, she was CPS. Um, child protective service and I you know we just had random conversation and I asked her so what's been out of your 10 years been the worst thing that has ever happened or you've ever had to witness and she said she had a client or a child her parents the parents were using them as a sex trafficking to get money apparently the parent was on drugs or something and used the daughter yeah. Had her chained up in the bed and would sell her for sex. Yes. I thought, oh my goodness. Yes. Drug her up and sell mm. her for sex. I'm like, I don't, uh, I don't do I, that to your own child. I dealt with a lot of that. Yeah. It's it's, it's real. Wow. Yeah. 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 That's pretty crazy. So when is your next speaking event? If someone wants to hear the the ways that you're going to motivate our youth and get them mm-hmm. out of this these bad predicaments? Um, do you have any upcoming events? If not, um, tell them what information they can utilize. We have it at the bottom, but <clears throat> if someone wanted to get in touch with you, possibly to talk to a youth, 
probably possibly to come into a couple of schools and do some yes, uh, have some conversations yes, or just wanted you to do something along the lines of a seminar or something of that nature how would they go about that process well you can always go to my web page is lira 12 and uh and and it's a catch to that why lira 12 because i'm a police officer and my friends that's what they call me oh here come 12. That's, that's nicknamed for a police officer yeah. 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 yes yeah <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, was, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to say that when I seen Leroy Twelve. I'm like, I wonder is it because he a cop? Because I didn't know. Oh. I didn't know whether or not that was offensive to officers. So I didn't. Yeah. Want to say that, but yeah. On the and street, then, it's twelve. Yeah. And then that's five zero. Yeah, that's an older uh, slang term. <laughs> Where twelve come from then? They. They. they you. Go ahead. I see. I heard it was because. Remember Adam Twelve? Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh. So from Adam Twelve, that's oh, just yeah. a nickname for cops. Yeah, and that's and like I said, that's what a lot of people call me. Oh, they're from Twelve. They're from Twelve. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. See, cool. I didn't have TVs growing up, so I didn't know. Yeah. And then my uh, my keeping it real, overcoming adversity, playing fair, pursue, and strive for uh, greatness. That's the acronym for cops. And so, mm -hmm. uh, and so. I right now I don't have no uh, engagement at this time, but the okay. best way to get into contact with me is to go on my webpage. You know, have all my information on there, have my number, my email address, my webpage, and uh, also uh, it has my inst my Twitter account. And uh, I will, I'm available. My goal is if I can just change one child, mm -hmm. I have done something. So after I change that one child. Now it's time to look for the next child. Yeah. And the reason being is I haven't, maybe you have, I haven't met a child yet that was actually born into this world. Mm. So it's up to us as an adults to protect our kids because they have only one opportunity to yeah. grow up. Let them grow up. Let them live their lives to their fullest to see what this world has to offer them. That's what our jobs is here as adults are. So I'm I'm available to you know to speak to a crowd of people, individual phone calls, or whatever the case may be. If I could do something to help somebody, that's what I want to do. That sounds good, man. That's well, awesome. Yeah. Once again, we want to thank you for yes. your um, your contributions with your your speaking engagements and your youth leadership, mm -hmm. and of course for risking your life as an officer. Yes, sir. Uh, one quick question that I want to throw at you. Who is the most physically in shape? Police officers or firefighters? <laughs> police officers. I didn't say this, but firefighters. You say firefighters, really? Because they have more time well, to no, exercise. See, everybody that I know that's in law enforcement say law enforcement officers. Oh. We gotta we gotta run people down and stuff like that. <laughs> and then you know, firemen are like, dude, we are always in shape. So if we, we, if we, we, just we don't police officers, they used to. We used to have to train mm -hmm. and work out of stuff. But mm -hmm. somebody got hurt. They sued the departments. So oh, now they do that. <laughs> wow. Fire stations, when they're not putting out fires, they work it out. They're working they out. Working. That's, yeah, they're working. Working. Oh, that's why right. I say that. Well, you know what? I appreciate your honesty. Because <laughs> some people will be like, nah, we better than them cats. Uh -huh. So once again, uh, Leroy, thank you very much for your time. Yes. Um, thank you for your contributions that you're doing to, uh, for the community. Yes, and sir. we hope to speak with you soon, sir. Yes, sir. Now it's been a pleasure. And y'all have a blessed night. You, you as well. Thank you so much. We'll see you Thank soon. You. <laughs>
Awesome. Excellent conversation. Yes. It's always good to, I mean, with so much uh, vitriol everywhere. So there was yeah. vitriol towards the cops. There's vitriol towards Asian Asians, Americans and black. Uh, Nobody's happy. That it's good when you can hear from mm-hmm. a police officer, hear their thought process. Um, we are media, but we're not as big a media where someone feels that they have to be politically politically correct on mm-hmm. our shows or anything of that nature. So it's just, you know, one thing I can tell you is that with our guests, we never send them a script. Mm-hmm. We never prompt them on what we're going to ask them. This is all organic. This is all unscripted. Mm-hmm. So it's good that we can talk to an officer. We can right. sing his praises for being an officer of the law and, and, and you know, whether, you know, whatever, however you feel about the defund the police uh, movement and things like that. Actually, I believe and believe me, I won't say I'm pro-black because there's uh, there's guys out there putting in work that I say is pro-black, but I am for the struggle in every thought process. And my thought mm-hmm. process is we shouldn't defund the police. We also mm-hmm. we, we should give more money to police because right. that's right. a hard job. They should be training, you know, three, four years before they become a cop. There should be a lot involved. And if you want that, then you have to put more money into it to make sure that they are trained properly. So, um, but there are people out there that have a defund the police thought process, but I don't care where you are in that Mm -hmm. spectrum. You have to know that if a cop is a cop doing his job, he is regularly risking his life for our safety. Um, That's the nature of the job. So yes, there are some horrific cops out there. There are also some cops that are doing the job the way it's supposed to be done. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing the job the way it's supposed to be done, you're enforcing law, you're protecting the community, and ultimately you might be risking your life. So you've got to give props what props is due um, in any event. But it's always good to talk to a professional Mm -hmm. and get their expert take on um, whatever they're into, whether it's law or, Mm -hmm. or doctor or attorney, whatever the case may be. It's always good to hear from someone who is an expert in their field. Mm-hmm. So you can you can banter back and forth, but also you can learn more. And that's, that is communication and learning is the tantamount to everybody getting along. Exactly. You know? So I appreciate uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Reese for that. Absolutely. Um, well, well <laughs> I guess my wife doesn't have anything to say. So I will say, look. Finally, is that what you're saying? No. I, because I'll feel like being in trouble this evening. So, you're always, um, right. you're always <laughs> um, in trouble. Be here next Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Yes. Uh, we will holler at you guys. One thing that we want to make clear um, it's crazy out here. So, everyone help one another. Mm-hmm. Everybody watch your six and be safe. Lock on. Deuces. Bye. Have a good one. <laughs>